Hello, everybody. Jace here. Quick message before we get to the main episode. Uh, you know, I try not to get too political on the show. Maybe if that's something that really interests the guest, we might get into a little bit of politics, but mostly we're here to just celebrate comics. But uh, I can't ignore what's going on in the world, specifically the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. So uh, on our Twitter, pinned as the tweet, is a link to UNICEF which is an organization that focuses on uh, areas of the world where there is a lot of strife, war going on. Specifically, they try to provide clean water, medical care, and other uh, essential needs specifically for children and families. So regardless of which side of the fence you're on, whether or not you believe that one side or the other is right or wrong, uh, we can all agree that children and their families shouldn't be suffering for the choices that their leaders are making. So please, if you have a few dollars, uh, every little bit helps. You can go to unicef.org, that's U-N-I-C-E-F dot O-R-G, and just look for the Ukraine appeal. Click there, or you can go to the Comic Source Twitter account, and the link is there for you to donate. So uh, again, appreciate the support, everybody, and I uh, hope you're all being safe out there. everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace, once again, joined by Reading Order extraordinaire, Blake Whitlow. He's the one that put together the uh, Spawn Reading Order that's in the show notes. Encourage you to go and take a look at it. On that note, we are up to Curse of Spawn number nine and ten, which finishes up in Curse of Spawn 11, so it's like a three-issue, but Spawn 62 sort of in the middle of it, or at least the second half of Spawn 62. <laughs> It's all kind of, yeah, it's all kind of weird, but we're about to get into a really interesting era of Spawn. Um, and I say that only having read 62 and 63 and not beyond that. And 63 ends with this crazy cliffhanger. So, uh, yeah, it, these one, Blake and I were talking about it right before we started. And these two issues, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that I'm a huge fan of Angela. Like I know she's a popular character, but I don't know, especially with, you know, where we left her last, where she's not even an agent of heaven anymore. It was almost like, so why am I reading about her? Why do I care? I mean, it is cosmic and it is big, but as much as we've talked about spawn as a street level character and yes, you know, possible general and Malbolge's army, you know, his hell army fighting against heaven. The scope of that is big, but Spawn never feels like a cosmic character. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And Angela feels like a cosmic character. Like she's out in space. And I know that's not always the case. She's teleporting and jumping around from here to there. And Elysium is not necessarily in outer space and more like, you know, an alternate dimension kind of thing. But the way it's always drawn, she just feels like a, a space character, like a cosmic character to me. And that's why she feels so out of place in Spawn. But I don't know. What do you think? I uh, I personally really like Angela. 
uh, how she's handled in this particular arc, I'm not crazy about. The writing is kind of, eh, take it or leave it. There's lots of babble, you know, just kind of filler words to make things seem a little bigger than they might actually be. I don't know. But her character, I, I appreciated from beginning to end. Um, it it's kind of interesting how they've incorporated like this science fiction aspect to this spiritual aspect. Like she's not an angel in the conventional sense that most people assume an angel to be like a warrior in God's army. You know, you'd expect like magic and wings and weapons and swords and stuff like that, a halo, but she's just like this down and dirty, like gritty, hot, you know monster slayer she just goes places and kills things and that's like her only job <laughs> and then after seeing uh early on the creation of anti-spawn when uh when jason wind was turned into the anti-spawn uh angels and and celestial beings have like space stations just floating around earth so mm-hmm. it's this weird sort of amalgamation of like science fiction but also like this spiritual aspect um and this arc is kind of like more of that it's like supernatural but also sci-fi in a weird kind of way yeah and i guess i mean if you want to talk technicals all superheroes are science fiction and on some level and spawn falls into that you yeah. know there's some horror elements and whatnot but it's, that's, he's not what i think i guess when i think of sci-fi i tend to think more along along the lines of hard sci-fi and that's definitely not spawn mm-hmm. um but i will say this having gone to catholic school for nine years i'm very I, i've seen very very many images of angels over my lifetime and usually it was long white robes Sometimes glowing, sometimes not, whatever. They certainly never wore gold bikinis and had ribbons floating around them. So yeah, take that. I don't know if this is, I don't know if Angela's an improvement on that or not. So anyway, let me go ahead and share my screen. Uh, So as I said, we'll be talking about Curse of Spawn number nine and 10 uh, in this particular episode. There you see the cover by, I guess it's by Dwayne Turner. I mean, McFarlane has his name on there too. So does, so does Capullo. So, yeah, I'm not exactly sure who did what here, but it is a cool looking cover Uh, inside the front cover. We're told that this arc or this issue is called Limbo, written by Alan McElroy, pencils by Dwayne Turner, inks by Danny Mickey, Tom Wozniakowski on copy edits and letters, cover pencils, Dwayne Turner, Todd McFarlane, cover inks, Mickey and Capullo. So, yeah, I guess all four of them worked on it. And then colors by Todd Broker, Mark Nicholas, with a special thanks to John Gordon and art direction and design by Brent Ash. So I will say that uh, I'm pretty impressed, even though we jump around a lot between the, the Curse of Spawn issues in, in the reading order, um, they're all written by Alan McElroy, at least all the ones we've covered so far. And so he, he's really ranged the gambit here. Like we said, this one's very sort of sci-fi and yeah, he uses some magibabble and made up words and whatnot to, to kind of make it sound big and you know epic in scope and whatnot. But you know, this is coming on the heels of um, of the uh, arc that we just covered with Suture, with the serial mm-hmm. killers and all the horror. I mean, he, he's just flipping a switch and going from completely from one end of the spectrum all the way to the other. And then this is followed by the Jessica Priest storyline. 
that we already covered those three issues, which is again, very different from this and different from the serial code. So give Alan McElroy some credit for some, you know, versatility in story here. But uh, as the issue starts off again, we remember last time we saw Angela, she'd, you know, given up her, um, her role as kind of the, the number one warrior in heaven, the number one hell spawn slayer. And she's out there and she's working as a, a mercenary and she's been hired to go kill this, monster called the Argus, which we're told hungers and it feeds on blood and screams. She's was called in as this freelance hunter angel to basically kill this thing. And so, you know, we, we see her battling it again, some fantastic Dwayne Turner art here. Um, but it's not just as easy as her showing up and uh, defeating it. And as she's fighting it, she notices this kind of shadowy figure who, I guess it's going to become very important. I mean, he plays a big role in this story, but he's also very mysterious. We don't necessarily know who he is, uh, but he's watching her and that kind of throws her off her uh, game a little bit. And the Argus kind of gets the, uh, the upper hand. And, you know, we're told that this guy watching is he's got this face of darkness, the specter of death and how he watches impassively. Um, and yeah, Angela's, uh, captured and we're told that this guy his name is Durgis whatever the heck that is uh and it's almost like Angela sees him as a, a, a nightmare come to life um so again he'll he'll play a, a pretty important role but before we get to that as she's captured by the Argus we she starts having these flashbacks so the first one here is a woman in Africa whose tribe was uh, attacked by a fellow tribe. She's the only one left. Uh, she's fleeing from them. She's holding her uh, newborn baby next to her and uh, kind of inspired by the maternal instinct, I suppose you would say. This overwhelming genetic drive to protect her newborn baby, she actually fights off a lot of the, uh, the men that are attacking her and they're sort of finished off Luckily for her, by the fact that there are uh, there are lions around as well that uh, that kind of finish off, you know, they smell the blood that she's she's caused and she ends up climbing a tree and putting her baby in the tree, hoping that he'll be safe. And then, you know, the implication we don't see it. The implication is that she's eaten by these uh, lions as well. And if you notice in that final panel there on the second page bottom right panel, there's the Durgis watching this um, all unfold as she's uh, eaten by these lions and then uh, an angel comes. And we're, said, we're told instead of death, an angel descends and carries her child to safely. She feels a profound sense of peace. So that directly leads into uh, another flashback where time has moved forward. I mean, that, that one seems like, you know, it's way back on a birth of man kind of thing. And now uh, time moves forward a little bit. We're in ancient Egypt, Hebrew slaves, the whole story of, you know, um, I was going to say Noah, but Moses <laughs> leads the, uh, the Jews out of Israel. But this is, this is before that time when they were there um, being uh, used as slave labor to, to build um, uh, pyramids and whatnot. And there's this old woman, Ashra, and she, she's watching one of her sons uh, be brutally whipped as he goes about his work. And she, uh, she stands up for him 
And uh, due to him kind of being uh, tortured, I know the word for it, um, a bunch of um, a bunch of the equipment falls and and smashes him to death. And she's, you know, obviously devastated. She doesn't feel, especially at that time, that any parent should ever outlive their child. So uh, she ends up kind of suffering the same the same fate as the the woman in Africa. Uh, she's basically whipped to death and. Uh, as she dies, she knows peace because uh, an angel comes to take her to heaven. So, you know, at this point, we're not exactly sure, like, okay, why are we being shown these these flashbacks, these images? We're not exactly sure. And then the, the scene shifts back. Again, the story jumps around a lot. Scene shifts back to the planet where Angela had gone to defeat the Argus. We see that she's captured. Um, she's been unconscious, having these visions. Now she's conscious again. And she, she's like, I hope those were dreams. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I, I had hoped my being captured was a dream as well. No such luck. Um, you know, she's trapped in like this kind of web sort of stuff. And the Argus itself looks like this giant alien spider, uh, this huge spherical cybernetic organism is what we're told, pulsing with green anti-life force. So Obviously, she's worried. She's like, well, you know, wh- why did this thing capture me? What is it planning on doing to me? Um, and she's, she's trying to figure out a way to get loose and, and to complete her mission. You know, she's been hired by Kron, we're told, um, to go and, and destroy this Argus. So the Argus kind of lays a, a neuro net on her. And I don't know if it's trying to... Um, like still memories or if it's just a purely a torture device, we're told that uh, Angela feels a billion scorpion stings to her senses. Um, and again, she starts having these, uh, these visions as the, the pain kind of overwhelms her. And uh, once again, the time has slipped forward here. Now it doesn't give an exact time, but the implication is we're now in America uh, and these are African-American slaves, deep south, we're told. And we see this uh, little girl who's looking up at the bl- bloated faces of her parents who've been lynched. Um, we're told that this little girl named Kayla, she sees the face of death through the darkness, white death because the guy's got a hood on. Again, clearly Ku Klux Klan goes chasing her into the forest. Um, some of the Klan members on horses and uh, she trips and falls and she doesn't know how to swim. She's flailing in the water. One of the Klansmen uh, shoots her, kills her. Uh, she floats to the bottom of the river or lake or whatever it is that she fell in. Um, she too has that sense of peace uh, as these angels show up to see her angels that she, when she perceives them look like her, her mother and father. So again, the scene shifts back to Angela um, she's again, wondering why she's having these visions, like what's going on. She can't think through all the agony. It feels like razor blades cutting into her and she's just unclear of, of what exactly is happening when another vision takes her this time, time slip forward again, we're in world war two or in a concentration camp. We see a, a woman who encourages her two kids to run for freedom. Her kids are shot in front of her. Um, she's, placed in uh i think it's a gas chamber um and 
again at the moment that she <clears throat> excuse me at the moment that she passes she's taken away uh as well and what we're told is all these women right all these women who at the moment of their death have been taken i guess i should say females because one of them was just a little little child uh, but they had a very hard life like you know many women before them and they all ended up their souls all ended up in the place called Elysium. We know that's kind of the city of angels, as it were. And they were all merged together and became Angela. So Angela is not just some, some uh, you know, singular person. She's all five of these different women throughout time who have suffered horrific deaths, but in a way, noble deaths where they've, they've been fighting against injustice or fighting to save the innocent life of their child or having under, undergone some trauma or like literally killed by evil, you know, in the case of the woman in the concentration camp or the little girl killed by the clan members. So Angela is in that way birthed from like the very worst of humanity uh, with the com- combination of these five souls who sort of represent the best of humanity. So it's an interesting origin for this character. I never knew it before reading this, um, but that's her life force. That's her essence. Obviously the sum is uh, greater than the, you know, just the, uh, the sum of the parts here, uh, or I should say the whole, I guess, is greater than the sum of the parts. Um, and we know that her body, the phys- physical body that she has is just, you know, necroplasm or psychoplasm or, or whatever it's called. So this issue ends with us seeing the Durgis staring up at Angela, you know, and one thing I wasn't clear on, and maybe you have an opinion on this, Blake, I wasn't clear on if, did Angela know, was this her discovering her own origin? Cause it kind of felt like that to me. Um, So, you know, it's an interesting way or ironic way, I guess, for her to learn who she truly is as this giant spider. That's the Argus is, you know, crawling up toward her to, to kill her, I guess, as this character, the Durgis, watches on, we're told, with motionless dispassion. Uh, he watches her with the cold stillness of death, uh, and that leads into the next issue. So, yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot that happens in this issue in terms of there is a lot of action, but it's, it's not action really for a purpose. It's more action to establish the fact that Angela's in danger. And then obviously the fact that we get these flashback moments to give some context to these five souls that are, I guess, Voltron together <laughs> to become Angela. The so way I, uh, the way I read it was uh, similar to, to spawn heaven sort of messes with the memories of uh, its subjects, the way that hell messes with, um, its subjects. Spawn doesn't have a clear image of, you know, the five years that he spent in hell. You know, he is only getting bits and pieces of his memory back from his former life. Angela, I think, is kind of in a an oddly similar situation where she's getting flashes of, you know, her actual origin. And uh, I think that's probably due to like the dire circumstances that she's in right now. One of the common parallels that we're seeing through all of these little flashbacks is right before they're supposedly supposed to die, 
they see the dirges and Angela now is seeing the dirges. So maybe this is what's going to happen right before she dies. That that's kind of like the implication, like the stakes that I think the story is trying to establish is that she's getting these flashbacks. She's getting these memories of how she started. And it's sort of like seeing her lives flash before her eyes and all of those lives ended by seeing the dirges and now Angela's seeing it. So what does that mean for her going forward? Um, yeah. That, yeah. Are these souls about to be killed for the second time? I don't, maybe, maybe. Yeah. So I also think it's interesting that Angela uh, time and again has mentioned that she's been around for like thousands of years. So I think it's interesting how all of these, um, all of these souls are actually from more contemporary time periods and that somehow the souls of beings that hadn't even existed yet somehow gave birth to her thousands of years ago. I don't know. It's magic. It's well, I mean, yeah, technically (laughs) heaven should be outside. And, And we've seen that because, you know, Angela herself says, I think actually this is next issue we're just about to talk about where, you know, when you go to Elysium, you can go into the timeline at any point. You know what I mean? Like you can go back and fight medieval spawn. You can. So you know, time might not necessarily have a meaning in uh, yeah. in Elysium. So. Uh, all right. Well, let me go ahead and share issue number 10 there. Again, we have a uh, fantastic Dwayne Turner cover. Uh, Alan McElroy again on story. Pencils by Dwayne Turner. Danny Mickey on inks. Tom Rizikowski does editing and lettering. And. Broker and Nichols on the, or Nicholas on the colors with Brent Ash doing the uh, art direction and design. Quick recap here. Angela's been hired to destroy the evil rampaging this planet called the Argus. And when she becomes captured, when she's distracted by this mysterious Durgis character, there's uh, flashbacks where she learns that she's basically the amalgamation of the lives of these sacrificing souls. And yeah, it's, I mean, again, it's, it's not the, the most complicated uh, summary because really when you think about it, not that much happened uh, in issue nine, but we're told that the Kron is activated. It's been thrown into overdrive and it's, it's basically the Argus that's activated this Kron crone thing, which is, a threshold for the hell heinous orderless sprawl known as limbo. So I guess it's, this Kron weapon is basically going to wipe out the universe, uh, lead to some giant cataclysm. And so this is what Angela is supposed to be trying to stop. But again, she's, she's trapped. She's uh, been tortured and um, she's kind of lashing out saying, you, know, you better let me out. I promise you, you know, I'll, I'll win the battle, but she hasn't been able to free herself yet. So I don't know, maybe it, it seems like just bravado to, to the Argus, but again, that this mysterious character of the Durgis just seems to just want to stand and watch in, in that way. He kind of reminds me of, uh, of the watcher. So it's not specific that this is a, a flashback here, but it definitely seems like it's from before. As we go to the city of angels, obviously Angela is no longer captured. So yeah, this is her having been formed as we saw last issue from those, uh, from those souls. 
and she's talking about um, or the, the woman, the other primary, that's what the number one warrior in heaven is called, the number one primary, uh, whose name is Catherine, is explaining to Angela kind of the, the rules of the game, as it were. Hey, here's what we do. We kill hell spawns. And this is where she talks about, yeah, you can kind of go and fight them and in whatever time period they're in. She shows Angela kind of the, the trophy room where they keep all the um, the trophies of the hell spawns that they've fought. And then Angela is lucky enough to meet God. And just like when we saw God previously in the regular spawn series, it's this little old woman. So Angela's um, obviously kind of taken aback by what she sees here. She asks, hey, you know, am I in heaven? And in, in true cryptic fashion, God doesn't uh, necessarily come right out and answer it any of the questions that Angela has outright, which I, I did appreciate because that, that's, it might be a trope, but it works. Uh, I mean, there's a reason that that's been done time and time again in any number of stories. Um, but the God in the form of this little lady does show Angela what they're fighting against, does show her an image of Malbolgia and talks about how you know evil he is and what their mission is to try to, to stop him. So, uh, at the end of that flashback, again, we switch to um, the, the current time where Angela's trapped and we see her trying to escape. Apparently, she's using her ribbons and uh, kind of using some energy blasts to try to uh, escape from this web or whatnot that the uh, Argus has her captured in. Again, remember, this is not a straightforward narrative. You turn the page and now we're flashing back again. We're back in Elysium. Catherine is training her talking to her about, you know, what your mission is and how you need to defeat Hellspawn. And I, I will say that's a fantastic suit of Hellspawn armor behind on the right-hand page there behind Angela. Um, and so it's it, not necessarily clear why Angela is chosen to be trained by the primary, by the, you know, number one angel. There's any number of angels that we've seen before that want to have that honor of being the primary and it, there is a lot of honor and prestige that goes with it. But for some reason, maybe it's the souls that make up who Angela is, those five souls. Um, but she's the one that, that basically gets the, gets the training. So uh, as Angela uh, escapes from the Argus, all of a sudden, turn the page and again, abrupt shift in the story. Now she's on Earth. <laughs> all of a sudden, like... Last time we saw her, uh, you know, a couple pages ago, big, you know, she's using her ribbons. She's cutting herself out of the, the kind of web or goo that the Argus has her in. There's a bright flashing light. We get a flashback for two pages and then she's on earth. So if you're wondering what the heck, yeah, I kind of was too. Um, and she even recognizes she's on earth. She's like, listen to these, uh, you know, there are a couple of guys that see her kind of materialize and they, make some comments. She's all, listen to these bozos. This must be Earth. Because that doesn't really bode well for what planet Earth is like. And of course, she has shown up very close to where Spawn is. And so, you know, that here comes the next part. Like, you know, why why Spawn? Why did she show up where she did? Um, but she's not going to necessarily look a gift horse in the mouth. Of course, she goes to Spawn and Spawn's surprised to see her. Um, but she does ask Spawn for help, basically. 
uh, she says, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, you know, I must be here because you, you need to help me. Um, there's this fracture in the, the multiverse, basically, um, caused by this evil creature named Argus. And Spawn's like, okay, you know, what, what does it have to do with me? And <laughs> Angela's like, man, it's no wonder you don't have any friends, which I thought was kind of a, a low blow. So uh, we kind of leave them there bantering back and forth and, and take a quick peek at Cogliostro. And this is really interesting. So he sees the Durgis as well. So apparently the Durgis didn't really have anything necessarily to do with the Argus, but more was is observing Angela uh, because he clearly has followed Angela to Earth. And when Cogliostro sees him, he says, no, it mustn't be not you. And clearly they have history. Clearly they're uh, familiar with each other and Cog, I didn't even know he carried around some giant knife under his coat, but immediately attacks and uh, the dirt just kind of just tosses him aside like very easily, very, very easily Uh, and seems for the first time to have a little bit of an expression, a little bit of a smirk on his face as he dispatches Cogliostro so um, easily. So uh, Spawn's like, okay, so you got tossed out of limbo and you showed up on my doorstep. Wait, why are you here again? And Angela's like, if I, if I knew, if I had the answers, I, I wouldn't be talking it out with you and trying to figure it out. Right. Um, but spawn again, he, I don't know if it's the history that he has with Angela where he just doesn't really seem to want to help. Um, but before he even gets a chance, uh, there's this giant bolt of anti-life force. We're told that folds out of the uh, null and hurdles into the heart of New York city and blasts the, uh, the tower, the headquarters of heaven on earth, um, the Elysium embassy we're told. And once again, as death has occurred, uh, you know, I don't know if the death of angels, death of whatever. I don't know if there's actually any humans or whatnot in that Elysium embassy, but you see the smoking, smoldering ruins there. And whose face do you see in the clouds but the Durgis? Uh, and that's how this issue ends. So uh, Apocalypse, Armageddon, Alpha, Omega, Durgis, the end is now. So, yeah, regardless of what Spawn's feelings are for Angela, I really think it should get off his butt and help her. Because it's clear that this Argus and the Kron weapon that they've ap- activated is going to wipe out like everything. Um, so yeah, that's this two issue arc again, it finishes up in three, but we're going to uh, break it up. Cause we've got to talk about issue 62 on its own. Cause we always want to do the spawn issues, the spawn series issues uh, all on their own. So a bit of a cliffhanger ending for this one. And we'll pick it up um, after we talk about 62, which is, sort of a different perspective of Angela showing up on, on earth. So again, it's, it's, there's not a whole lot happening here. Um, you know, you can sort of sum it up pretty quickly. We get a little more context and a little more backstory on Angela. Once she's been formed from those five souls, we see her getting training from the previous primary. We see her literally talking to God, going on a walk with God and getting some context about why they do what they do. And then she goes to Earth, and she asks Spawn for help. He gives her a bad time. Then the bolt of anti-life blows up the Elysium embassy on Earth, and Cogliastro attacks Durgis, 
you know, having recognized him, somebody that he's seen before. So a lot of moving parts, not a lot of forward momentum uh, for the story itself, but fantastic Dwayne Turner art as always um, beautiful shots with the rain falling down on Durgis, which I uh, enjoyed tons of detail in the throne and the skeletons and the worms and all of that. So uh, gorgeous book to look at. I just don't know for the reasons I talked about at the top with Angela feeling more cosmic. I don't know how well that works with spawn. So it's definitely isn't my favorite arc, but uh, I do appreciate getting the context for Angela. Um, and I wonder like she's, she's not a, a that interesting of a character or a character that I'm not that interested in yet, but I know you've read so much farther Blake. So I wonder if I'll come around to, to liking her more when I get, you know, more of her, Although I suppose at some point she disappears because McFarland doesn't have the rights. Mm -hmm. There's uh, about one, two more arcs after this point. And I feel like those arcs really like bring her back to kind of what she used to be in that Angela miniseries where her and Spawn had like a lot of banter, a lot of back and forth. So it was more of a, the vibe that I always get from the two of them is sort of like a Catwoman Batman sort of relationship. It's like, are you are you going to fight me today or are you going to flirt with me? Um, at least that's kind of how I got it. I mean, I, if I remember correctly, in the Angela miniseries, they kind of get it on, don't they? <laughs> it's implied. It's implied that they do. They're both in the dark and they don't even know where they are. And but who knows what uh, could happen in the dark. Yeah, and it's cold. <laughs> and, you know, again, she just wears a gold bikini and he's got his cloak. So, yeah, yeah. it's definitely implied. And then it's hinted. It's it's brought back up in the regular Spawn series when she shows back up in that mm -hmm. arc where she decides to leave and not be, you know, that that's the whole reason they say they're going to kick her out. Yeah. It's because yeah. they say that she, you know, fraternized with the enemy, basically. That's so right. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a very interesting issue because it gives us some more context about Angela. It introduces this new character, uh, Durgis, and uh, we actually see Cog kind of get thrown around. Like, like he's been very much the Obi-Wan Kenobi, the mentor-type character up to this point. This is the first time that we've ever seen him actually, like, just get flopped around. I mean, even when Spawn's suit was freaking out, grabbed him picked him up he looked like dead on serious like i'm not afraid of what's happening right now and here he just glances notices Durgis, is like i gotta stab this guy <laughs> yeah. yeah he he flips out man he goes mm -hmm. he goes ham and uh serious Durgis is just like meh just swats him away like nothing so yeah very very curious about this Durgis character and whether he might uh show up again um so yeah anything else to add about this issue um not this issue but in the well actually yeah there is one thing in this particular issue uh when we first get the flashback of Catherine and angela speaking uh interesting little bit of art that i thought uh her staff has all the spawn coins or whatever oh, yeah. uh, like what we saw back when Angela was first introduced, when she killed medieval spawn, he went up in a puff of smoke and left behind like a little spawn logo coin. 
and she has like 35 of those yeah, on her snap. Shows that she is a hardcore Hellspawn killer. Um, I mean, if that wasn't apparent from like the trophy room and stuff, but just like seeing that many, like all clustered on there, like she's been around for a minute. Um, also in the previous issue, uh, in the flashback to ancient Egypt, there were centaurs. Yeah. I thought it was kind of weird. Yeah. I noticed that <laughs> it too. Like, yeah. It was, it was an interesting, uh, interesting little, uh, thing to add in there. It's like, I guess the ancient Egyptians had, uh, centaurs or the ancient Egyptians were all centaurs. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I never know when Todd is, um, directing people to throw in things like that. And the reason I say that is because I got a chance to, to chat with him real briefly recently. And I did ask him, you know, we, we just finished talking about the suture uh, arc and I did ask him because we both wondered, oh. you know, she's got so much potential about her coming back. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, it's kind of, it's, it's tough to juggle so many characters and to find, you know, another way to bring her back. But apparently in terms of just having her show up in the book, apparently she's in the background in a recent issue of, of King Spawn. Really? Yeah. So oh I was like, I'm going to have to go and peruse. Cause I didn't know, I didn't notice her in the background, but you know, I, I've been reading, I've been kind of skimming those books cause I'm not caught up on the regular series yet, but yeah, apparently just in the last few months, she's been in an, in an issue, not like a speaking role or anything, but um, you know, like, but, like he does where, you know, there's like a collage of yeah. enemies and stuff. Oh, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, so, and yeah, he mentioned, he's like, yeah, maybe we'll find, you know, something for her that's more, more involved later down the line. So interesting. Yeah. maybe like a mini series or something. Yeah. Or just, you know, have her. And I, I still contend that she would be great for uh, the scorch, you know, the team book that they're doing mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, even if it's only for an arc or two, but uh, anyway, that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. Next time we'll be uh, talking about the the one that, that crosses over again, that uh, moment when Angela comes to Earth, but sort of from the, the perspective of, of Spawn, as well as catching up on what Spawn's up to, the happenings on Earth. And then we'll shift back with Curse of Spawn number 11, which finishes up this arc. So that's what's coming up for the next two episodes of Spawn Daily as we celebrate 30 years of spawn. Don't forget to go check out Blake's reading order that we're using. So you can follow along and know what books are coming up next. Um, We appreciate the support as always. And for you guys joining us, you really seem to be enjoying this uh, trip down spawn memory lane based on the (laughs) download number. So we appreciate it as always. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash the comic source. Do a search for the comic source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.